From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Bracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. A um, couple of quick housekeeping notes. Um, Aaron is out today, and uh, for anybody who may have been paying attention to him sort of social media-wise, uh, Aaron took a new job. Um, that doesn't have any effect on the on the Cloudcast, except that every time Aaron takes a new job, it usually means he kind of dives in headfirst and probably won't be on the show for, for a little while while he kind of gets his feet wet with uh, with what he's got going on. Um, and uh, when it when it kind of gets public as to where he's going, um, and he tells me and, and others, uh, we, will, we will let you guys know as well. But he's definitely staying in the tech world and definitely will be... Uh, still connected to the, to the podcast and everything. We just need to get him back on when schedules permit. So, you know, with that, um, if you were listening last week, you heard uh, myself and Amy Lewis talking about, you know, kind of this transition that a lot of techies often make, um, you know, kind of getting out of being pure tech into, you know, more uh, prominent roles on the business side of things as things become more digital. And if you've, if you've listened to this show very often, you know that, you know, I, I've got a couple of things in my past that I always love to dig into. One of them is is the automotive industry uh, because of my, my mother's side family uh, used to work in the in the auto plants. And my father's side, uh, going back multiple generations, were farmers. They grew up uh, in Ohio. Uh, they were they were bean farmers and, and all sorts of things in the Midwest. And so anytime there's a chance to, to see the intersection of, of tech and farming or, or what they now call ag tech, I'm always uh, interested to dive in. And <clears throat> this past week, I had sort of an interesting you know, one of those uh, uh, coincidental um, occurrences, I was flipping through LinkedIn and saw an old friend uh, from, from back in my days at Cisco had recently started an ag tech uh, IoT company, and I thought I need to go talk to him. And so it's great to have uh, both uh, my old friend Steve Ritter, as well as uh, Dan Casson from um, a new startup that's out trying to, to reshape kind of how IoT interacts with farming and so forth. So uh, both Steve and Dan, first off, welcome to the show. And why don't you guys introduce yourself? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, so my name's Steve Ritter. Uh, I've spent probably 15 years at Cisco, as Brian mentioned, focused on everything from new product development and uh, launching a few startups at Cisco, and then the past few years focused on IoT and really caught the ag tech bug when I started to see how technology could digitize farming, and that's when I left and decided to start our company, Terralytics. Yeah, but about you, Dan? This is... Yeah, this is uh, Dan Casson, uh, VP of Engineering for Terralytic. So uh, I've uh, worked in, uh, in the fintech industry a lot, uh, but I grew up on a farm in Iowa, uh, kind of worked there all the way through college. Uh, you know, so after, you know, moving through the fintech industry, getting heavily into cloud computing, working in uh, some startups in, you know, Silicon Valley and such, uh, I, you know, made my way working a lot with, uh uh, you know, IoT and machine learning, and uh, then when I uh, connected with Steve, and we were, uh, uh, had a chance to move back into ag tech. This is uh, you know right where my heart is. Excellent, excellent. So uh, I, I'm very curious, just kind of you know before we dive into into Terralytic, kind of how how did you guys meet, and and how do you you know what's the how do how do sort of people from from you know Silicon Valley in New York City, obviously Dan, you're you're you know, from, uh, from farming area, but, but how do you decide that, uh, you're going to, you're going to kind of marry technology and, and farming, right? How do you, you know, how do you, how do you get your sort of boots dirty from a technology perspective? I'm curious the, the origin of all this. So, uh, what I found 
talking to miners, talking to farmers, was that you know they were really the original innovators. You know, they're the ones that took advantage of the wheel, took advantage of the plow. And so then any time a new technology came along, whether it was uh, machines and far, actual you know uh, tractors or whether it was next generation chemistry to you know, produce modern fertilizers or pesticides, they would adopt it. But that technology in the IoT space, uh, in the drone space, a lot of farmers were complaining that they weren't getting the data they needed to make their jobs easier, to make them more profitable. And one of the biggest areas that they were complaining about when using next-gen technology was around soil science. And there just wasn't enough data or there was too much data to be had that wouldn't allow them to make a decision. So when I started um, looking at IoT and, and marrying that with ag tech, that was the first place we looked to start was how can we give farmers better insights into the soil to make better actionable decisions. Um, within New York City, there's a lot of indoor ag. There's a, actually probably the ag tech capital of the world when it comes to indoor agriculture. Um, you have Elon Musk's brother rolling out uh, warehouses upon warehouses of uh, next-gen uh, nurseries growing local local groceries for supplying local restaurants and and um, whole foods type locations, but yet uh, so there's a lot of ag tech talent in New York City, but yet no one's really looking at it from the traditional Midwest traditional California crop type, and so that's really how a guy from New York decided to go after that market. Interesting. So, you know, at a, at a high level, and we'll, we'll dig into this, um, you guys provide, you know, Terralytic provides both um, the, the sensors that are out in the field and the soil, as well as, uh, you know, as well as the, the technology up in the cloud that's going to help analyzing this. And, you know, the, the initial the initial play is around, um, you know, what people will, will shorthand call NPK or nitrogen, phosphorus and, and potassium levels, you know, sort of what's the makeup of the soil, how it's changing. I'm I'm curious, Steve. Like, what are the big challenges today uh, for kind of understanding soil? Like, how people tend to think about IoT being, you know, constant monitoring and and to, like, does does soil change all that much? What are the big challenges for you know what 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 did you what did you find was lacking in the sort of soil knowledge um, space that 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 drew you to to kind of go try and solve some problems for them? Yeah, I think first off, soil is one of the most fascinating ecologies you can actually uh, study in our. People know more about space than they do uh, about soils. So there's just a, a real uh, live, you know, environment under our feet that nobody knows about um, from a, just a domain knowledge perspective. And then from a technology perspective, there just aren't a lot of tools that are affordable that give the right data to a grower in order to make decisions both to understand what's happening um, as they apply fertilizers and amendments, you know, how does that affect their soil health and soil composition and how does that change over time as temperatures rise and fall throughout the seasons as you know, irrigation events happen. So, so really, you know, just getting some eyes under the ground, in this case, sensors to help farmers see what's going on down there uh, before manifesting in the plant was a, was a huge opportunity and a huge uh, boon for farmers. Okay. That's right. I mean, and the current the current state of uh, soil testing is, uh, you know, farmers farmers will have uh, core samples done at uh, strategic areas around their uh, around their farm, and maybe that happens once every two to three years, and and uh, and then they, uh, you know, from that point out, they're they're kind of extrapolating and uh, using, uh, you know, maybe some models, but a lot of times guessing how the 
soil is reacting, as Steve uh, alluded with, you know, variations in uh, temperatures with weather events, as well as all the actions they take with, uh, fertil- you know, fertilizing and then irrigation and such. Okay. Okay. So even, you know, like, like I was looking into the product, even with it just providing updates every 15 minutes or so, and, and only, you know, I, I was sort of surprised as I was looking at, there were some questions, how, you know, how many sensors do I need? And, and you, you sort of laid out, well, it could be, you know, one every five acres, it could be two to 10 acres. Like, you know, it seemed like, okay, this isn't a lot, a lot of data, but uh, you, you're sort of saying, look, even just on that it is significantly more than they ever had before because they were doing it, you know, on the order of like a couple times a year as opposed to, you know, hundreds of times a day uh, with, you know, more, more active technology. Exactly. Um, just, they were getting snapshots before the plants went into the, into the ground as seeds or they would get a snapshot after everything was harvested right before the winter. And during the growing season, they had no data. Uh, they had no insights what's happening, and so as Dan mentioned, they're they're almost flying blind, guessing at what's going on down there, using rules of thumbs that have worked in the past, or models that the local ag extension groups have been giving them to best figure out what to do, without actually knowing if it's making a difference or not. Okay. And so that's led to a host of problems. Whether that's wasting money uh, on fertilizer that the plants don't need, that then just gets washed off as an environmental. Uh, waste into the waterways or burned off as a greenhouse gas, or it just became a, a profit train because they were spending more than they needed to on ag input costs, whether it was fertilizers or amendments. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is, this is both uh, looking at this from a profit perspective, as well as a kind of an environmental, um, you know, good, good citizen perspective, which is, which is excellent. So before we dive into some of the technology, which I know our listeners always want to kind of dive into the tech, I'm curious about, kind of the business side of of being in the IoT business, sort of the, the business side of, of IoT sensors, if you will. Um, I know a lot of times people just think of them, they go, well, you know, I've seen a Raspberry Pi or I've seen, you know, some prototype from a, from an Intel device or something. And um, you guys are, are, are building uh, these sensors, right? You've got some unique intellectual property around the sensors. You know, Steve, as the as the CEO, as somebody with a with a deep business background, can you give us kind of some of the high level stuff around what the business looks like to to, to be in sensors? I mean, to, you know, just a little bit about you know, kind of mass production. What you know, where does mass production make sense for you guys? Um, how much do you have to think about just how simple the installation has to be? Because it's not like somebody's driving a you know, a telco is driving out with a truck and, uh, you know, wiring stuff up. And I mean, like, what's the, how, how do you have to think about, you know, kind of the business side of, of being in the, you know, the end device perspective uh, for IoT? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think the first thing you heard from the market was, you know, farmers didn't want to be that integrator. They wanted an easy to use, easy to install, easy to understand solution. So, we approached everything we did from the hardware to the analytics to the networking to the installations through that lens. So um, when I first started the company, I just assumed soil sensors were on the market. We could purchase them, uh, add some sort of Wi-Fi technology to it, and focus on a cloud analytics platform to make it all uh, usable and understandable. And quickly came to find out that, A, if there was a technology on the market it was thousands of dollars per sensor to measure one data point, whether that was moisture or EC um, and or wasn't wireless. And so we had to start from scratch and work backwards to develop our entire 
owned and operated uh, sensor that would measure everything from moisture to EC to NPK. Um, and as in going through that process, you know, we had to you know, mainly focus on keeping the costs down because we kind of subscribed to that Andreessen Horowitz model of, of, you know, hardware is going to be free. It's really the data exhaust that provides value to growers and, and to yep. end users. And so we spent probably 18 months in stealth mode, you know, developing our own hardware from scratch, um, building our own wireless technology, uh, building our own backend analytics platform, just so we could, you know, keep the costs of, of our you know, technology low cost so that customers could afford and adopt this in any crop, whether it was broad acre crops that yielded, you know, uh, something in, in the canola space or whether it was a high end, you know, strawberry grower or, or vineyard in California. We wanted to make sure all, all the different growers could afford it. Um, so from that perspective, working on the hardware, uh, we actually had to you know, develop our own semiconductors. We had to actually work with uh, fabrication uh, uh, houses to fab our wafers. We had to find our own manufacturing around the world. Um, and, and we've had to you know, manage and operate our own supply chain. Yeah. Um, right now, for us, it makes sense to manufacture in Asia, but um, with automation and with robotics, it may make sense to bring it back into the U.S. Uh, if we can get a high volume, uh, you know, high tier one provider with enough volume on our side, we may actually bring all manufacturing back to the U.S. Uh, because it's cheaper with robotics to do it than it is to have it done in Asia and ship it over here and wait five weeks for uh, you know, the product to get back here. Right. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And so, yeah, like you said, uh, farmers don't have IT departments. So it literally, I assume, you know, they want to just get it. It comes in a box and they, you just tell them where to stick it in the ground, I would assume. That's exactly it. So we built our own online tool that helps the farmers load up the fields, understand the different soil types in that field, figure out using the tool where to place the sensors so that when they order the sensor, uh, it, it, it basically is plug and play. All they have to do is, is dig a, a three-foot hole, turn on the power button, and everything happens in the background, just like you would see with a Nest or some other, uh, you know, modern IoT device. There's no configuration. There's no protocols to set up. There's no wireless network to set up. It's just literally plug and play uh, so that farmers can, you know, uh, easily get these out into the field. Because one thing we found was, you know, farmers are not afraid of hard work. They're not afraid to get out there and install these but they did not want to deal with the headaches and, and uh, uh, integration challenges and setup challenges that technology has imposed on them so far. So we, we actually hired our own UX team in-house just to work on, on those types of issues to make installation as seamless as turning on the button. Nice. Nice. Um, so, you know, let, let's talk a little about the, about the IOT sensors at the edge. Um, obviously they have to be uh, very precise. Um, they have to be inexpensive, um, there's lots of environmental considerations to have. Um, and to a certain extent, you've got to plan for the future because it's probably not a device that you're going to go out and, and do a truck roll on and, you know, do an upgrade every couple of years, like, like a consumer device. How do you, you know, what, what's the mindset that you have to have to think about, um, kind of all those variables, like how much is industrial engineering, how much is computer science and how much can you just get off the market today? Or do you have to build yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think from our perspective, you know, growers expect, you know, durable machines that run in all operating environments. So from our perspective, we spend a lot of time up front 
designing this to look and feel and act and, and be as durable as a machine on, on the one hand. Uh, and on the other hand, we had to still make it low cost enough so that it, it looked, felt and acted like a, a low cost sensor. So uh, before I moved into, into IOT, um, I would have never really uh, paid attention to the uh, term quality is number one. But really, that's that's 100% of what we, we focused on for the past 18 months was building in the durability, building in the weatherproofing, building in the quality so that as these sensors get out in the market, they don't fail. Um, they don't have to be replaced every you know six to nine to 12 months. And they can last as long as you would expect uh, a John Deere tractor or a, a Jeep to last in, in, in the outdoors. So from that perspective, we spent a lot of time on the industrial design to make it last, to make it work in all environments, all temperatures, and, and, and just stay out there. Because as you said, these sensors could be in, in going out to the middle of Indonesia. They could be going out to the most northern regions of Canada, into the rainforests of Brazil. And there aren't truck rolls. There aren't uh, Mac or Apple stores where you can just bring it in and talk to a genius. So we had to really think through um, how to build in quality and durability and weatherproofing up front. Right, right. <clears throat> Dan, I want to I want to kind of bring you into this. Um, let, let's talk about the analytics cloud. Uh, you know, that's from a technology side. That's your background. Um, you know, you've got these devices collecting information. Um, you know, sending up uh, things up into the cloud. What what is a what does an IoT technology stack have to look like? Um, both in terms of you know you being able to manage it and scale it, but also you know. Um, you know, things like how long do farmers want to retain data? Because historically, you know, you have the Farmer's Almanac and you're going back, you know, years and decades. Like, help us, walk us through kind of the thinking of the, the analytics stack that helps power the cloud uh, service that you provide. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it kind of starts with, uh, you know, it, it kind of starts with the edge. Uh, you know, these are going to be positioned uh, as Steve mentioned in, you know, different places around the world. So, you know, it starts with, uh, you know, design your cloud infrastructure to be able to support that because, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, have uh, sensors in, uh, you know, say Malaysia having to, you know, communicate back to our, you know, cloud infrastructure in, you know, North America. So we want to make use of, you know, edge computing uh, to, uh, you know, be our role of in ingress as well as uh, as as well as being able to uh, filter data back back down to it. So, you know, we're also uh, what also goes into that is is leveraging, uh, you know, a serverless infrastructure over over uh, you know, say staging VMs whenever possible. I mean, and and that includes our. Uh, you know, our persistence layers as well. So we're, uh, we're, you know, making use of, uh, you know, we, we uh, utilize the uh, AWS cloud. Okay. Uh, so we're utilizing their, uh, you know, their edge, edge locations and their, um, uh, you know, global tables for Dynamo database and, and, uh, you know, our edge Lambda functions as well. Uh to to filter data back uh and then when it reaches our you know our iot processing i mean we're using a, again kind of a serverless model to uh you know be able to scale up to you know as we add uh to our fleet of sensors that reaches you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions we're using you know that that uh 
you know, cloud infrastructure that can scale to meet that need, uh, you know, with a, with a rules engine and then, and then downstream processing, we're using, uh, you know, we're, we're processing, processing our, our analytics and data in real time, um, you know, versus doing, uh, you know, batch processing, uh, we're, we're processing and doing our analytics, looking for things like, uh, you know, anomaly, anomalies in our uh, sensor reading. So, you know, that, that speaks to things like the uh, uh, health of our fleet. You know, if we, these, these sensors are uh, in a harsh environment, right? I mean, and, uh, you know, subject to, uh, you know, but they're uh, subject to weather and, and uh, damage from, uh, you know, uh, animals or, or whatever, or, sure. or collisions with uh, uh, vehicles or whatever. So being able to uh, uh, detect uh, any outages or anomalies in readings, and and so we can, uh, uh, you know, keep the the uh, the data uh, flowing in uh, at a high quality and con- and flowing in at a consistent rate to make uh, make sure it's. Uh, serving serving the grower uh, as best we can. Um, so so yeah. So we're we're using those kinds of uh, uh, strategies uh, to allow us to have a global reach, but still have a uh, you know a very powerful and scalable uh, set of tools that we can that we can harness to uh, you, you know uh, provide a, a rich set of analytics on, you know, as I mentioned, things like hardware management, but also as they move up, uh, you know, being able to leverage uh, the analytics side of things, you know, for uh, determining, you know, maybe a, a situation where nitrogen is, um, is has a danger of burning off or leaching into groundwater sources. So we, we have a lot of uh, applications like that, that, that's, uh, uh, we utilize, uh, you know, for, across a lot of purposes, you know, the hardware management for and internal operations, as well as, uh, you know, environmental needs and 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 also uh, plant health and okay. soil health. Gotcha, gotcha. So you so you've got a you've got a just just like the on the sensor side, you've got to sort of be thinking multiple years down the road. You've got to be thinking about a lot of. Uh, you know, kind of difficult situations that could come up on the on the cloud side. You're basically saying, um, you know, I, I want to have unlimited scale, but I don't want to have to necessarily provision that ahead of time because depending on how big the fleet is and at any given time, you may not need it. Um, it sounds like there's a there's an element of sort of real time data where it makes sense, right? Cash where you can, close to the edge, uh, collect things in real time when you can when you can make uh, actionable items and. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to be able to plan for anomalies where, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, tell a farmer that you've detected an anomaly that he could perceive as, uh, you know, kind of catastrophic for a crop when it could just be, you know, an infestation of, uh, of gophers or something that started chewing on these things and, uh, and, and throw things off, um, you know, for, for some section of the field. That, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, nothing worse than uh, no, no data is bad data. And so, uh, you know, being proactive and uh, you know, actively monitoring the health of our of our uh, sensors, uh, you know, is key to building trust with our, uh, w- you know, with with our customers, but also you know, maintaining a uh, uh, you know high quality infrastructure that that you know we can uh, 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 take action uh, when needed. 
So, so I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, there are, uh, obviously there, there's been some consolidation over the years around farming and, um, are, do you, do you guys, do you go directly to farmers? Is there a whole ecosystem of sort of systems integrators for farming, you know, for ag tech? How does, you know, what is, what does that part of the world look like for those of us that are used to, uh, you know, selling computers and software and so forth? I'd say it's exactly like we're used to in the, in the computer and software world where there are value-added resellers and distributors that own that end relationship with the grower. And they're there either um, selling them machinery and equipment, you know, they're selling them ag inputs, or they're selling them advice on how to best manage their, their yield and, and crops. Um, so we see us selling through uh, these types of distributors and trusted advisors just as Cisco sold through resellers. Uh, but then we do get a lot of uh, direct leads that come in through the online channel um, as well. Um, so we want to be educational to the growers and help them understand the importance of soil health, uh, as well as continuing to educate the reseller channel on, on how to actually use this technology to improve their own business. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I'd love to get one last kind of piece of input from you guys. Um, you know, Obviously, you guys found each other, um, Steve. Like you said, you were you were interested in, uh, you know, mining and, and ag tech. Uh, Dan, you've you've got a background, uh, you know, both in tech, but also having grown up on a farm. Like somehow, you guys found each other. Any advice for for other people out there who you know maybe are, are techies but have an interest in a vertical industry or, uh, you know, people in a some other vertical industry that that are you know have an idea for tech? Like, what's the any suggestions for people kind of finding? Uh, a counterpart in, in starting a business, you know, you, you know, tech and they know, uh, they know the vertical, any, any suggestions or things that you've seen just over the last couple of years as you're building this out? Uh, I'd say you, you need both domain expertise plus deep technology expertise in order to build a well-qualified team. And so I had a lot of IOT and, and raw technical expertise, but working with Dan who grew up on a farm, I think that's key because you can build all the wonderful technology you want, but at the end of the day, the values it gives back to you, the data it gives back to you, you'll have no idea what it means, if it's good or bad data, if it's helpful or useful, unless you can combine that with domain expertise. So from my perspective, we only hire people that have both either an ag or a bio background um, and deep domain expertise. We have eight PhDs uh, working across the company full of part-time who not only know something about soil science or chemistry or material science, but can also code and develop technology. And that's, I think, key to building a credible product in your vertical domain. Right. I think what you brought up was important about having a, a domain, a profound interest in a, in a domain coupled with, you know, a, uh, a discipline that you uh, build expertise in it. it the, the two reinforce each other and it's kind of a force multiplier for, for you to be effective in your industry is, is uh, uh, my experience. And it, uh, you know, it, it gives you that, gives you that interest that drives uh, kind of really engages, uh, you know, people you're talking to with, with the questions, the back and forth. So, yeah, I think that's a very important point of having the, the, the two spheres overlapping here and just really uh, strengthens the, the, I mean, it's real, it's really a synergy. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, and I, and I think you know, I think with with the world changing, I mean, we're seeing the the dynamics of of kind of you know urban life. Like Steve mentioned, you've got people that are got warehouses full of uh, you know indoor produce. You know, you're going to have transportation's going to change both uh, you know inside of cities and outside of cities. And I mean, there's just a ton of different opportunities for people that that are interested in verticals. If you have a deep passion around something, um, you know, it's, it, there, there's definitely opportunities to marry that passion of of a specific vertical or a specific science or whatever it is with, uh, you know, technologists that, uh, they might be able to help you, you know, whether it's on the data side or building out hardware or whatever that might be. So, um, very, very cool what you guys are doing real quick, uh, before we wrap it up, what's the best place if, if people are interested in, in, uh, you know, getting engaged with what you're doing, trying out, uh, the technology, um, you know, any of those, what's the best way to reach out to, to Terralytics, um, or either one of you? I think the the best thing to do is, is start at our site. Uh, we'll be adding more and more uh, info to it over the next few months. That's terralytic.com. Otherwise, if they just want to reach out to me, they can email me at steve at terralytic.com. Okay, cool. And we'll get all and that. I can be reached at dan at terralytic.com if, you want to, if anybody wants to talk tech and ag tech. Very cool. Very cool. We'll get all that in the show notes. And I, uh, I signed up for an account the other day just to sort of see what was going on. It's very, very simple to, uh, to get signed up and also, um, yeah, definitely very cool. The stuff you guys are building. Well, guys, listen, thank you so much for being on. Um, it was, uh, Steve, it was great to, to reconnect and it's very cool to see, um, you know, basically almost the world's oldest, uh, sort of technology problem. Like, like you mentioned, you know, essentially eating and it's the, the, uh, the core of, of life is being, transform. So it's very, very cool to see that you guys, what you're doing and uh, would love to catch up at some point, six months, a year from now on the other end of a crop season and uh, see, see the success that you guys have out there. Well, folks with that, we're going to wrap it up uh, for both Steve and Dan and uh, for myself and for Aaron, we're going to thank you for listening this week and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.